listening to Stalking Spurs, 40-something minutes of football-adjacent frivolity. I am one of your two hosts. I'm Acid, and we are joined by Patty. Hey, Patty. Hey, guys. We're back. <laughs> we are. Oh, my God. What a short off-season. <laughs> I thought we'd be able to take a proper break, but it's been like two hours, and like a million things happened in the last two hours. And we're not even the ones playing football, you know? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, wow. So I guess the biggest thing to happen within the last few hours, or like days, I guess, is the premiere of All or Nothing. This Amazon documentary that they've been hyping for months and months and months has now finally dropped. So over the next few weeks, uh, we're going to come out with specials, like recap specials and reaction specials for each of the episode drops. So today we're going to discuss the first three episodes. So if you've seen it, then put on some comfy pants and grab a snack and let's discuss it. If you haven't yet, what are you waiting for? Exactly. Press pause, go watch it, then come back and press play. (laughs) Yeah. Um, As usual, if you hear something that you want to argue with us with or agree with or whatever, hit us up on Twitter. We are at Stalking Spurs. Let's get to it. When you first heard about this overly hyped documentary, it's part of a series of All or Nothing. And I think Manchester City had one and like the New Zealand All Blacks had one. And I haven't seen any of them, to be fair. This is the first All or Nothing I'm watching. So fresh eyes. But overall, holy shit, what an explosive first three episodes. I've seen all of them twice now and like in back-to-back viewings because just like I just I can't believe like it's a fangasm for me you know like the entire thing is just like such fan service such a gift yes was it the best season to follow them probably not maybe last season would have been great given we made it the Champions League but then it have been total heartbreak because like such a high and then heartbreak so maybe this is one because it, it, it kind of crescendos in a way <laughs> in a way yeah. yeah wow I've also watched every episode twice actually if you add up all of the times that you scrub back and forth just to rewatch parts maybe i've seen it eight times who knows but like the first the first watch was the first watch you kind of just want to like experience it and let it wash over you and then like by the end of it you're like oh my god there's so many things to like zoom in on and try to analyze that you have to watch it again and then that's when you scrub back and forth and you really like scrutinize every goddamn detail and every little soundbite and everything in the background. Exactly. It's just so well fucking produced. It really feels like, I mean, obviously the stadium is gorgeous, our players are gorgeous, but the experience, like, I feel like I need, like, a footballer's mansion and his, like, you know, cinema screen in the house because the experience is crazy. Like, what the Yeah, hell? wow. Okay, like, I guess the first thing you'd respond to is visuals, but, like, it only takes three seconds for you to realize, whoa, the fact that Tom Hardy is narrating this yeah, yeah. just takes it to the next level. I feel like it, it takes it to, like, prestige TV level. It's just, it's it's amazing. I was thinking, like, after the first few episodes that, wow, could our first ever trophy at the club be like an Emmy? Is that it? Because that would be amazing. Like, fucking keep your FA Cup, assholes. We're Hollywood famous. Move out, bitch. We're on our way to an EGOT. Like, <laughs> you know what? Who knows? Maybe next year, you know, Hugo will record an album that becomes a Tony winner. And then, you know, Kane does spoken word. He becomes a Grammy winner. And then Harry Wink stars in like a movie. And then we get an Oscar fucking EGOT, bitch. First club to do it. 
Yeah. <laughs> Take that, other clubs. <laughs> Take that, other clubs with silverware. <laughs> but yeah. No. I think another like awesome thing about watching this is when they watch, when they show the game highlights and everyone's seen these games and you watch the game from the stadium or from a pub or at home and you hear the commentators. It's like an experience you're used to. But finally, like seeing the highlights, like with a musical score is, <gasps> it just, it gives you goosebumps. It's like, it's the movie of your fandom that you've always wished to exist and then now it exists. It's amazing. Like really kudos to the team. I think I just want to call out one specific game highlight. There's so many, honestly, but obviously Sonny's Burnley, Man of the <gasps> Match, Goal of the Season, Chef's Kiss Forever. I mean, even Levy and Jose comment on it after and we'll talk more about their dynamics later, but the way they showed it from so many different angles, you usually get that in the highlights, you get annoyed a bit, but this one you can just watch it over and over. Levy agrees. Yes. And they did it in the Korean version because obviously the Korean commentating was banana. So I was just like, yes, 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 yes. <laughs> yeah, that's amazing. You know what? I, I think normal games should just have like a live orchestra like <laughs> scoring it live i would pay extra for that experience let's do it you know how yeah. they have normal like ambient sound now and then they have like piped, yes. in, piped in fans cinema score let's do it and with a cinema score is like cinema worthy cinematography which i think the best example of is the one-on-one -on -one player interviews when they're kind of just talking to the camera the way the dudes are shot they look like leading, they're the leading men you know that they are. They just, the way they're framed, the way they're lit, the way they're styled, the way the background looks, the like, the color grading of like blues and yellows is just, it's intense. The angles are good, good too. Job. I mean, obviously they're, they're handsome players, we know this, but like, I think special, I mean, Hugo, Jesus, he's a model, but I think Sunny and his like cream sweater amazing saying i'm not a superstar yes. yes you are with those cheekbones yes and then delhi and his like light blue with like a wash of like a halo around him he looks great like they all look great everybody they made Aurier look amazing like what what can i say it was, it was amazing yeah it's amazing, yeah. And like, I think one thing we noticed, like while there were like beautiful, like heart-stopping cinematic experiences while watching this, there were also some like really amazingly mundane things that kind of bring you back to earth. And I think the best example of this, actually there's so many good examples, but I think the one we'll start with is that there's a moment in the third episode or second episode where they show Sun like hunched over a bin and cutting his nails. And it was like the day after the Burnley goal, which like brought him to like God status. And then suddenly God is cutting his nails <laughs> in a bin. I mean, <laughs> honestly, we're a hop, skip and a jump away from Sonny showing us his skincare routine. So yeah, I, I'm totes. all for it. I think it, it really is a nice like contrast of how beautiful and how majestic the stadium is and just how big the club is, even larger than life and how they portray the club to be bigger than big. And then they also kind of zoom into these moments. And I think that's what documentaries are, right? They, they also show you the everyday. And so like Sunny yes. with like a, a zit sticker during like one of the debriefs or I think Delhi, I don't know if he's playing this up for the cameras, but when he like has all these different conversations with the physios, best. Asking them like, <laughs> do you put water on your toothbrush before or after the toothpaste? Like what Delhi? But also I'm here for it. Tell me more. Yes. <laughs> yeah. He really sells it because he looks so thoughtful while he's asking that. Like these are really big questions that, <laughs> that tell so much about a person. 
it's yeah i super enjoyed that other like really mundane things that i really liked was like watching jose set up his desk like everyone has set up a desk on the first day of work it's it's something that's so mindless and you kind of just unpack your box put a picture up put your your pens in a cup and that's it so it was so like what what are we, why are we spending three minutes watching jose do this but also humble brag using medals and like silverware as his like organizers desk organizers i love it i think one of like what is it fa cup i don't know some small game he won and he puts like you know stationary on it that is a low-key flex i love it it is actually (laughs) and and we'll get more into jose later on in the show but i think also just the everyday like these little conversations they have of him one of the favorite ones i have is during their first training um jose asks rosie oh danny rose we miss you i can't so many people to miss but he asks him so if harry kane is harry what do we call harry winks Which is valid. I think it was just yeah. yeah. And, and and thinking that Walker Peters was too long because he was like, is it Walker or Peters? And and Kyle Kyle <laughs> goes, it's Walker Peters, and he goes, that's way too long. <laughs> And it's all all of these like first day at the office kind of moments, right? Everyone starts at an office where there are two people with the same name and you have to clear up how like you refer to these peeps. Which which is a great segue, Acid, into really how this entire documentary felt like an episode or an entire season of or the hit TV show, The Office. It's like, you know, there's a Michael Scott character, but like, you know, all those different archetypes that you find in an office and in The Office, you kind of find at the club as well. And and just seeing like all the different, and you know, seeing access to like the cafeteria or the dressing room or, or Jose's office and just seeing a sneak peek into things you probably would never get to see without this documentary. I think the team yeah. did it superbly. They did, yeah. And I think one setting, and I guess we're going to talk about this this section in different settings. Like in a normal office, you would have like stereotypical things that happen in cafeterias or stereotypical things that happen in like the toilets or like in the boss's office. I think these things kind of correspond to that. And the first place that we're going to visit is the dressing room. So many moments that you just like as a fan really relish in seeing. Like, sorry, this sounds really creepy and sleazy, but we just... (laughs) I mean, I think I those were two said keywords. that about the dressing room. <laughs> Things okay to, to clear it up. Our first example is at halftime. Like, there's a tea person who like starts offering snacks to people, and you see the people who like turn it down, or the people who like do get some, and that's always awesome to see as a fan. Like, oh my god, what are these snacks? I actually paused it at the frame showing the snack part <laughs> because I really wanted to see what kind of snacks they were having, but it wasn't super clear. All I know is that it wasn't good enough for. It wasn't good enough for Sun. I think he was also sad at that point. I I think also what I mentioned, and we were discussing this a bit earlier, is that you never see the players flustered. I mean, of course, you see them get frustrated. But as soon as they get out of the tunnel, it's all poise. Whenever they go in front of a camera for a post-match game, it's PR ready. 
But when yes. you see them in the dressing room, it's the frustration. It's the throwing mm. of, you know, bottles, which I don't condone. But, you know, like, it's just like anger. Sunny yelling at who knows who. Sunny yelling. Well, like, was that, how was that a red? Tell me how that was a red. And just like, sad dire. Or like, so many vulnerable moments that you see. And unfortunately, I cannot unsee and I cannot scrub it from my mind. Is post-game dressing room in their briefs. And like... Yeah, I can't. Yeah. <laughs> the, the, the. I'm sorry I brought it up. Oh, no. Yeah. I Like, that was uncomfortable. I'm like, oh, can we give them some Privacy. Like, dignity and just cut away when they're in their undies? <laughs> or at least get it from, like, chest up, you know? I don't need to see. Yeah. Yeah. Another, like, place that we don't really get to see is, I mean, we call it the cafeteria, but honestly, it's a dining room. Like, it looks gorgeous. And in the first theme, I think they call it the first theme dining room or the first theme cafeteria. One of the two. The, uh, yeah, the first theme. I'm interested that. that they call it first theme. So where does the second theme, like, where does the under yeah. 21s eat? And I hope it looks as good. And I hope they get to eat there, too. But anyway, it's like a freaking buffet, hotel buffet, essentially. But we get a lot of scenes there that I love because it really shows them in their natural habitat. We'll talk more about, like, how they behave there. But I think it's interesting because when they first, in the first episode, when they first introduced Mourinho as the new coach the new manager, the, they're playing videos on the screen. And I still remember us recording that episode when we found out Poch was leaving and how devastated we were. And then I'm kind of trying to get in touch with those feelings and project them onto these players who actually have a relationship with Poch and are now seeing a new guy on the field, you know, in their turf. And so watching the players watch the announcements go out and i love the conversations between winksy and how winksy is so like in touch with social media of like it's all over yeah. i've never <laughs> seen this all over and you're like oh so winksy's yeah, that like guy. it's all over sky news yeah. it's all over daily mail Twitter, instagram daily mail and i'm like i've never seen anything with so much coverage so he's that he's that dude you know and i think that it was interesting because then you see the reactions to it in you know in the raw but then you contrast that with how they're interviewed like for example toby and Jan, I think, were the ones I was looking at most because Toby and Jan were watching it and then Toby gets interviewed right after. And Toby's face while he was watching the news was a bit like uncertain. And maybe they interviewed him when everything had settled down already. But he was like, of course, if you would ask me like which manager I would work with, it would be Mourinho. And I'm not saying any of them are lying. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying that the disparity between the interviews and their actual initial reactions is so vast. And it's quite interesting to yes. read into. Yeah, yeah, I was stunned at how raw or candid, I guess, the the reactions were. And I guess you will get that if you're sh like showing a highlight reel of this new dude who you don't know and is suddenly taking over and you just aim the camera at their faces, then you're gonna get looks of confusion like Toby. You're gonna get like the subtle like side to side shaking of the head but trying to not show it yep. from Hugo. Yeah, and I, yeah. I, I love it because they know the cameras are there and I'm sure they've all been briefed like act normal. But they're footballers, and yes, they're celebrities in their own way, but they don't have a camera on them 24-7. And I think it goes to the crux of this entire documentary series. And I, I think I remember... It's intrusive, right? It is, it is very intrusive. I think I remember... Yeah. Mourinho at one point down the road and it hasn't been aired yet but I think he was saying that you know how there's always cameras and like you know you can't avoid mm -hmm. them and so having that trust between the production team and the guys and having that bond that like you know you can trust us we're gonna do the club well I think I read an interview with the producers and how they really had to build that trust 
just super interesting to see them in their natural habitat. So we've been to the dressing room. We've been to the cafeteria slash first team restaurant. <laughs> I think the next location in this workplace that we want to visit and discuss is Mourinho's office. So it's a CEO's office. I don't, you can't tell if it's a corner office. Maybe it's not. Yeah. It seems it's like there's a nice looking office. Yeah, it's an office. It seems like, I mean, it has a window, obviously, and it looks onto the training ground. I think we see a bit of Levy's office as well. I, I won't get into that. That wasn't yeah. very interesting to me. But I think what was really interesting about, obviously, Jose's office is that on day one, he kind of calls out Harry Kane to be like, hey, like we'll, we'll, we'll get more into that interaction later on. But their conversation in this office, his one-on-one with him. I mean, first day, on the second day, you get a one-on-one with the principal, essentially. That's a mm-hmm. bit like, we both feel special, but also a bit nervous, I would be. And I mean, he's Harry motherfucking yeah. Kane. But I, I think it was mm-hmm. it was quite telling to how Jose played to the part of like, you know, you're you're good, but I, I know you can be a star. And I kinda yeah. laughed a bit of how Jose is so self-aware of like, you know, like I am a bit of a celebrity. And I'm like, yeah, 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 dude. Um but hey, you know what? <laughs> he is very he self-aware. Is so self-aware. But then the interesting part there is how Harry agreed. And how Harry was like um, yes, I've done well for myself and I've done well for the club, but, you know, he wants to be a, a Ronaldo, a Messi. And I'm like, oh, yeah. interesting, Harry Kane. Yeah. Interesting. Which, like, we know he does, but it, it's like, it's different to see him talk about it exactly. with his new manager. Yeah. Yeah, and like, re-articulating it. These are the names I want to be said in this sentence, Messi, Ronaldo, Kane. And honestly, it yeah. should be. But yeah, I think it's great. And you know what? If if anything, I, I hope the club, Harry and Jose, are successful in, in doing so. I think another meeting that we, we super enjoyed watching in the manager's office was the meeting between Jose and Dyer. Now, I think everyone knows by now that Dyer speaks Portuguese because he, he that's where he grew up. <laughs> but it was like it was just next level mind blowing to watch them have their one one-on-one chat in Portuguese. And it didn't seem like, at least based on the subs, it didn't seem like a basic where is the library <laughs> <laughs> kind of conversation. It was like an actual workplace conversation. It's like workplace competency in this language. And that was super badass to see Dyer do that. He seemed really comfortable with the language. He seemed also comfortable with Yeah. And I think that that's, yeah. that's a great way to kind of disarm someone, right? And obviously the Argentinians, and, and it kind of gives you insight of like, okay, it really, really helps when you have something in common with the manager. For example, yes. I'm sure, I'm sure, I'm sure, I'm sure the, the fact that we have 10 million Argentinians on our team is because obviously our coaching staff headed by Poch prior was Argentinian. Like you can't help it. it, it it's a bias you cannot get rid of. And so yeah. I can only imagine how much Spanish or local dialects were being spoken back then. And so now I'm kind of happy that we get some Portuguese with Dyer and excited to see Brazil speaks Portuguese too, no? Or Brazilian. Is it different? I don't know. Maybe with Mura. We'll cut this out. 
I'm not very good with research. <laughs> yeah. We don't know. We don't know. I'm actually wondering how they decided on that because everywhere else, like, Jose has these conversations in English, so we know that that's easy for him. So I wonder if, like, what we're not seeing in the camera, what that was like, were they like, okay, let's have this conversation in Portuguese? Or did it just naturally become like that? Did Jose just start speaking in Portuguese and Dyer was like, yeah, I, I'm going to meet you there, man. Yeah, and I think so. I mean, they did cover that Jose apparently wanted to acquire... Dyer at one point in time. So mm-hmm. I'm sure Siki really knows. He knows the background and, and super interesting yeah. to see that. And really just happy that Dyer has like, I don't know, a sponsor now and someone who believes in him and, and just really yeah. interesting to see that. And speaking of other players that Mourinho was linked with before, um, and I guess I don't think he like out and out like went after Delhi, but we know that he was told to get Delhi. Yes, I've just spoiled my own setup. So the next person we're going to talk about is Delhi. <laughs> and this was a really interesting interaction because it was like Mourinho confronting him about like his laziness and his inability to be consistent and inability to, to meet expectations of him. And Delhi seemed, like just looking at his body language, he really closed, like kind of t- slightly turned away, arms folded in front of him. Mega like defensive. Really, like stingy with the reactions. Mega defensive. And I think, and, and Dali was also trying to play it cool. Like, yeah, yeah, I know, I know, I'm hurt on myself. But mm-hmm. you can you can tell the difference between his posture and yeah, his demeanor between him and Eric Dyer and, and Kane when they were speaking, right? Kane leaning forward, Eric just being like really chill, I guess, you know, and, and really interesting. But you know what? If Delhi can get to that consistency that he wants to get to as well, then everybody wins. So really, really interesting conversations that were had in that office. Totes. Juicy, juicy. I mean, Speaking of juice... We are going to take a quick refreshments break. <laughs> Stay tuned. Coming up next, we're going to talk about our, what what is this, top five amazing humanizing discoveries from watching the first three episodes. And we're going to, I guess, talk about what we want to look forward to or we're afraid of <laughs> confronting in episodes four to six. So refill your drinks and chill out and we will be back again if there's anything you want to say to us anything you want us to discuss further or shut up about whatever tweet us at at stocking spurs and we're back like we mentioned we're still discussing amazon prime's uh, documentary on obviously Tottenham Hotspur football clubs all or nothing the first three episodes we have we're halfway there and i think in this segment we just want to obviously dive into our top five favorite moments honestly acid made a, an outline that's like 10 pages long we've, we've had to <laughs> we've had to distill it into like I don't know, a, a, a one-pager. Otherwise, we would be talking to you guys for three hours. Yeah. But you know what? If you do want to talk to us for three hours about this, let us know. I'm sure we can figure something out. Uh, for now, though, we'll jump into our top five favorite things. Yeah. So I guess with any documentary about people or a person, the documentary is going to show you things that will humanize them. So these are the things... The five things that we've kind of like gleaned the most like humanizing discoveries in this series so far. I think the first one, and whoa, this jumped out right away, was that it kind of demystified Kane, made him so much more like human than we usually think, because he's kind of like this big heroic figure. But then you see him like right before games 
in the like pep talk few seconds before running out and he's like pep talking with extreme passion and extreme passion that turns into expletives kind of which like he always speaks like in the (laughs) the interviews post-game interviews and all these other interviews he's so like family friendly and wholesome and like signed off by pr and and mcdonald's yeah but like this was so like seeing him like say oh let's fucking win this it's a fucking long derby let's fucking kill them in the first minute like that kind of whoa i I guess we're gonna be bleeping a lot of this (laughs) (laughs) it's okay it's okay we have an explicit warning it's fine okay yeah seeing that that rawness was whoa it's an all-new dimension i really really enjoyed it though like just seeing him get so passionate it's it's quite interesting i mean we we saw another side to harry as well apart from the passion i guess (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Ooh, oh yeah so while i loved we loved him speaking with passion there's a moment that is a bit oh damn a he's bit that cringe. kind of co-worker after the was it the manu game or the chelsea yeah. game i think it was a, the scene after the debrief meeting after the manu game like jose says oh that attitude wasn't good enough and then like harry raises his hand and says oh i don't know if this is laziness or shifting blame but it always happens in all the games and it's like i can't stand it anymore it's unacceptable and then he kind of gets quiet and like looks into the distance <laughs> which is like i guess everyone's been in a meeting where someone has thrown someone else under the bus and it's it's so uncomfortable and it's so awkward and like the fact that he didn't actually name names is even more like whoa <laughs> damn I, I honestly wanted to like screenshot like take a because they, they took a shot from the point of view of jose there of him looking out into the entire like crowd i wanted to see like sitting arrangement like you know where who sat with whom and where do they sit harry obviously sits up front like very teacher's pet in a way and and naturally so but yeah that was a bit odd i, I kind of wish they had been more confrontational about mm-hmm. like, like like let's talk it out but i guess you know, you can fix that in the pitch later on. Discoveries. Discoveries about Harry. And I guess just discoveries about everyone. Um, yeah. Obviously, they're all at the top of their games. And, you know, they wouldn't be there if they weren't hard on themselves. I found that maybe they were a bit too hard on themselves. But I guess the, the level of elite playing that EPL has is really just quite insane. I can't even imagine the pressure that's on them uh, externally, but clearly internally as well. Especially when, like, Sonny got his red card at the Chelsea game, which which he said cost them the loss, which I don't think so. But, like, the fact that Sonny took that upon himself, after getting his oh. red card, you see him get sent into the dressing room and the most uncomfortable, like, 30 seconds a minute of him just sitting there on screen and looking devastated and then you cut to his interview wherein he says that like i'm 27 years old i shouldn't be making mistakes like this and i'm like dude you're just 27 i guess in football age that's like a grandpa yeah sunny but it is like it's a huge amount to carry so it's like it's okay sunny Exactly. And you contrast that with him being called like a superstar or like the most popular Korean and how he's like, no, 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 I'm not. I'm not a superstar. And we're like, yeah, dude, someone flew over 8,000 miles and is at the side of the road saying hi to every fucking car that passes, hoping it's you. Look over your shoulder at the horde of fans that are running after the golf cart that you are in. You are a superstar. Exactly. So I think just that the, the pressure he puts on himself, other people that we saw kind of break down was Dyer. When he got, you know, replaced 30 minutes in, in, the fir- in one of the Champions League qualifyings, I think it was Olympiacos, 
he just looked like he wanted to cry. And the, I think the, the difference between the, the sunny, su- sad sunny and sad Eric is sad sunny kind of got to wallow by himself. So he had that privacy. Whereas Dyer was wallowing with everybody else was celebrating because oh, they, yes. they eventually won that game. Yeah. And he wasn't part of it. In fact, it feels like the game turned around as soon as he left. So... It's a different kind of sadness, and I really, really, really wanted to hug him because you could see everyone in the dressing room celebrating, and he was just like forlorn, and I that really broke my heart. Yeah, uh, that was painful. I, I think we, we miss a lot of people in this documentary. I know we're just three episodes in, but we all know Christian Eriksen left us this season as well, and they broached that topic in episode three. He has so many haters online, especially towards the end, but when they introduced him as the player that has had the most assists ever in the club's history and has scored 50 goals for the club. I think that's something that you could be proud of. So the fact that, you know, fans were kind of targeting him after and he talked about how he is an object that can be talked about, like he is not human, like you are moving here or, or whatever, a commodity. And you kind of see that, yeah, they do see themselves as just like pawns in the larger scheme of things. Yes. So when he says that, you know, if I'm not playing, I'm sad. Like, I just want to give him a hug. I miss you, Ardenia. Boo. Yeah, miss we you. miss you, Erickson. Yeah. We hope you're happy. We, we, we hope so too. <laughs> we take a we take a cry break. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Just pause, cry a little bit, and play when you're ready. I think so. The the third humanizing discovery that we discovered in this documentary is just how clickish they are which i guess of course they would be in every group of people in every workplace in every like friend group they're gonna be subgroups and it was so cool to actually see what those subgroups are i think the best place to like the best place to observe this is in their cafeteria and you see who sits with who um i think we, we've noticed that like the OG boys kind of sit together. So there's Ericsson and the same table as Harry and Dyer and Jan and Toby. So they were kind it, of like the Kuya older brother figures, the seniors, I guess, yes. if you're in high school. And they sat together. And there was like a really like cute moment. Or is it cute or just weird moment with Ericsson telling a joke? <laughs> that And he's just totally deadpan and even when he gets the punchline he's still not reacting to his own joke it's like if you don't find this joke funny why are you telling it it's the why your dogs such bad, bad at dancing or something because they have two left yeah. feet and like <laughs> anyway no we miss you and your lame jokes um another click uh is the if you have the seniors you're gonna have the freshmen or the sophomores and i think we really saw that in like the harry winks table of harry and delhi and kyle walker pete's and they have their own dynamic, I think. Yeah. So cute. It's just so, it's so cute, cute to see like who sits where. Obviously, without even looking, I know the Argentinians sit together. I don't have to predict that. But the it was Argentinians just nice to see with the one Colombian. I feel like exactly. they kind of formed. Yeah. Exactly. So I think it's just nice to kind of confirm these biases and, and <laughs> see them actually like, yep, yep, they definitely sit together. They, they uh, definitely do because, you know, you sit together if you like are like super well connected and have gone through a lot together, which I think we saw exactly. with a moment. I think it was a was it an interview, the one on one interview, like with the camera with Toby, Toby talking about his friendship with Jan and how they've been friends since they were teenagers. And he has a line that's just beautiful. He says, we've played more games together than apart. (laughs) I'm 
sorry. I'm gonna have to take another cry break uh, to mourn Jan Vertonghen, love of my life. I think we knew, obviously now in hindsight, we know Jan leaves. But seeing him talk about it and how he wanted to stay leads me to this entirely new thing we love about seeing this documentary is that I think the fourth thing we, we that really humanized them and we, we say it a lot we have a section on our regular pods called Baby of the Week uh, where we feature cute babies just because obviously these guys have babies but more than just objectifying the cuteness of the babies you kind of see these guys as family men you know from from the fact that Jose didn't want to meet Harry on that evening because he said you have two kids right you go home and you know watch you know put them to bed they sleep early I thought it was it was really cute and yeah. You know, how family first. Obviously, Ayla, baby of the week, Alderweireld made... I think she's the first kid that made a an aptly. She was the first baby of the Spurs babies to show up on screen. Yes, she was. She was. And I think, obviously, we are in agreement with the Amazon production team. This child deserves to be a star. She I heard star. episodes four to six are just, you know, focusing on her at home. You know, that's neither here nor there. <laughs> I think it was sweet that she came along to Toby's um, signing when he re-signed for three more years. What, what, again, I hate to keep referring to him, but Jose said, you know, like it takes a lot for a player to stay because player has to be happy, agent has to be happy, team has to be happy, family, wife has to be happy, uh, children have to be happy. And if one of those people aren't happy, then everything falls apart. Which kind of brings us back full circle to Jan Vertonghen, who I started this with. He was talking about how he really actually was so happy in the club and how he wanted wanted to stay because you know he's settled here his family is settled his family is happy and how his daughter his young i think maybe four to five year old daughter loved her school and he didn't have the heart to tell her yet that she may not be going there next year Mm. and that crushed me because jan what a sweet sweet man clearly now he's at benfica and i hope little layla i think layla is her name finds new friends and and a new uh, school that she really really likes that she'll like exactly Speaking of school, (laughs) this now brings us to the last, like, awesomely humanizing discovery, which is, oh man, this this hurts to say. (laughs) We've come into this feeling like, okay, Jose is totally the villain here because our boys are the good boys. Our hero was our dad who was unfortunately sacked a few months ago. (laughs) Two seconds into episode one. But I think after watching these three episodes, you really appreciate like the Jose Mourinho school of PR and branding and just how good he is at making you fall in love with him and buy into whatever it is he's selling. There's a beautiful quote from like a a female entrepreneur in the Tottenham area saying that she's always been anti-Mourinho, but since he came on board as the manager, she's started to fall in love with him against her better judgment. And this woman is all of us watching this. He's so likable. Oh my gosh. I think one awesome example, one perfect example is his visit to the Lily White House, which I think was in the second episode where like whoever it is from HR or whatever handler um, was assigned to him kind of takes him around the corporate office and goes from department to department and anyone who's started a new job before has been on this kind of tour and it's so awkward but like Jose just makes every interaction gold and just says the exact right thing like he goes to finance and then he goes I love you yeah like <laughs> to them it's... yeah he goes he's like walked over to the HR department and then he jokingly goes ooh dangerous <laughs> 
So he knows how people perceive him and he's so good at playing off that and putting everyone at ease. Finally, he's brought to like the IT department and he goes, oh, nothing works without IT, which I'm sure you love if you're doing like an often thankless job like IT and this dude says that, you're like, oh, I will die for you. <laughs> he's so good, Asin. I came into this documentary being like Poch for fucking ever. I'll die with Poch. And honestly, like, obviously, we are very attached to him and he holds a special place in our hearts. Holy shit, that woman was right. Against our better judgment, I am falling. I don't want to say that. I don't want it to be true. But I guess my feelings are there. Like, he has wormed his way in three episodes into my heart. Yeah. How? How is that possible? And like, if anyone wants receipts of how anti-Mourinho we were, we have so many tweets to show you. We have hours of podcasts to make you listen to. This is a massive turnaround in a short amount of time. Like, he, he's not... Like, when you watch this, vi- this documentary and you're like, oh my god, the villain here is actually Levy when you were thinking it was going to be Mourinho. But he just, he wins you over so quickly. It's, it's, amazing. it's insane. It's amazing as well that... Obviously, I, I kind of saw him as a villain in, in the grand scheme of things. But then you kind of play him off Daniel Levy, who obviously is the mastermind of this entire production. I'm sure, I don't know, Amazon pitched him or he pitched it or whatever, but he's the linchpin in all of this. Let's be real. And so the fact that he makes Mourinho look so good yeah. and he takes, quote unquote, the fall and becomes the bad guy in this, I think is also like a master class in like building up like, amazing like ooh, i see what you're trying to do i like it but also oh, damn, damn you're devious damn, that's next level devious. savvy whoa that gives it's, me goosebumps it's game oh. of thrones level shit you know damn. so it's like he's like he doesn't need to be liked he doesn't need to be the good guy but you know who we want to you know like exalt the manager yeah. is very controversial choice and therefore i drink to you dan levy because you're a sleazy motherfucker but you played it well. You played you did, it so well. Did. Also, work on how you come across on camera because you never look sincere. That's it. <laughs> Just that little bit of feedback. Every time you speak on camera, I don't trust what you're saying. Exactly. Anyway, anyway. <laughs> moving anyway. on. Anyway. Anyway. <laughs> so I guess, yeah, that wraps up our discussion of the first three episodes. And the next three episodes, episodes four to six, are set to drop on, is it Monday? Yes, next Monday. Cool. What are you hoping to see from these next few episodes? I know that uh, Hugo Yuri's Captain Hugo, was injured for a lot of the season, right? I mean, we saw him, holy shit, land on that arm and, and get carried out. And that was a horrific sight. I'm actually wondering, I keep forgetting when that happened, if it was pre or post Mourinho. But obviously, it's lacking a lot of Hugo. Uh, I, I, I like to see that Kane is stepping up as captain in his absence. But I've always, always been curious to see how Hugo plays as captain to this team. And he's, he's not on social media. His wife is. So we never see that glimpse into the personality, you know? And so I'm super duper excited and really looking forward to seeing more of Hugo Lloris. Absolutely. Yeah, I think we get just a small glimpse of him in his like off-duty wear of like a beige, an oatmeal, a turtleneck, <laughs> and, a, and a beanie. And he looks really good. But yes, absolutely. I'd love to see him in the captain role in the dressing room and what that looks like. Cool. What I'm not looking forward to, I think, is the... Because we know how this ends. <laughs> 
I think that's exactly. going to be difficult to watch. Because from the first few episodes, you kind of have a feeling of like hopefulness and that we're, momentum is behind us and we're getting better. But we know, we know what happens well, we know. next. So that's, that scares me a bit. It's, yeah. It scares me, but I'm going to watch it anyway. Of course. Of course we're going to watch it. I, I mean, I think overall, these first three episodes have been phenomenal. I, I'm kind of worried that the, the next nine won't live up to it. But like, honestly... Kudos to Amazon Prime and the entire team for just pulling this together with the pandemic. I think that's also another thing I'm kind of looking forward to and also not looking forward to is seeing how they all, quote unquote, thrive in the new normal. I hate that entire phrase, but you know what? It's true. And really, really looking forward to seeing that. So thanks everyone for listening to our first uh, recap episode of this, a bonus pod. Yeah, thanks. I think we just need to like publish your 10-page manifesto of notes because it is pretty nuts. Uh, I, I'll, I'll annotate it with my thoughts too, but uh, we'll, <laughs> we'll, we'll be posting some show notes just to refer to maybe some articles or, or whatnot or tweets or whatever that we may have referred to. Maybe not a lot this episode, but if any, you can check out our show notes. And please don't forget to follow us on social at Stalking Spurs. Rate, review the pod. We're entering our second season of this podcast and we've really enjoyed uh, doing this together, but we love to hear from you guys as well and see what you what you like, what you don't like. And maybe uh, hopefully we can get better at this. All right. Cool. Thanks, Thank you guys. so much and we'll see you next time on Stalking Spurs. Come, Come on, on, you Spurs! Spurs.